of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a the game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on the outside. We just do our job. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a trick move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And welcome in to the Friday edition of Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. It is September 22nd, the year of our Lord 2023. More importantly, it's game day. I'm Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone, along for the ride. Parker, how are we on this glorious Friday morning? Luke, I'm fantastic. Like you said, it's game day today for a lot of teams in the Eastern Panhandle. We got college football coming up, and one of the biggest weekends of college football coming up this weekend. Even though my Giants took a loss to the 49ers last night, I'm still having high spirits. They did better than what I thought they did, minus Saquon Barkley in the lineup. So, overall, a pretty solid Friday, and I'm excited to get into this weekend. Well, we got a lot of football to talk about over the next hour. We're going to be looking at matchups in the Eastern Panhandle uh, as well as turn our attention to Berkeley Springs' game tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about some changes potentially coming to the one-time transfer rule in high school athletics. We're also going to look, like you mentioned, at a busy college football slate. We're going to be talking with Berkeley Springs head football coach Wes Eddy coming up at the bottom of the hour, and we're also going to look at the NFL. How are we going to cram that into the next hour? We have no idea. Let's find out uh, together. For the time being... Just a little caveat before we dive into high school football. Our text line is down. So if you have something really pertinent that you want to get on today's show, we encourage you to tweet us or X us at EP Sports Network so we can read your question on the air. I can see that we've got a couple of texts. Uh, I'm just not able to view them right now, so I apologize. Uh, and as soon as we get that up, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly turn our attention back to the, the text line. But, Parker, of course, we're going to start our conversation in the Eastern Panhandle Athletic Conference and the high school football that's going to be played tonight, beginning with our Panhandle High School Football Game of the Week, Hedgesville and Washington. We've heard from both head coaches for Washington. We've called them potentially overachievers in the first year under first-year head coach Terry Ray. And for Hedgesville, some have said underachievers, uh, and some have said this is a Hedgesville team that's a powder keg ready to explode into the second half of the season. We've already talked about the implications of the game. The winner remains in postseason contention. The loser has a much tougher route to get to the playoffs so it's do or die, I would say, despite being week five for these teams. No, I 100% agree. Both teams are coming into this matchup 2-2. Two and two. Hedgesville, for their credit, I'll say this about the Eagles, their two losses are against two really quality opponents in Wheeling Park, who we both think are, is a top eight team at least 
in Class AAA, and then a Herbert Hoover team that, despite an 0-2 start, they're in position to make a really deep run once again in the Class AA ranks. For Washington's sake, they've been up and down, I think. Big win over Page County. Now, the, the strength of that Page County win, you can maybe question that. A loss against TJ out of Frederick, Maryland. A loss to Frankfurt put them in a tough position, but they're able to turn and beat a good John Marshall team last week. So, Washington's have some momentum building up. Hedgesville's kind of in a rocky place right now. Both teams are sitting at 2-2 two and two in this matchup. It's at Washington, so we'll have to watch and see if that Patriot home crowd comes out in droves and maybe turns the tide of this game in any way for Washington. But it's an, it's an exciting matchup. A lot of big-time names in this one. Brock Meadows, who I think is the best pure tight end in the conference. Gavin Young and Demonte Martin, who you can argue is the best wide receiver duo in the conference. There's a lot of big-time players like Eli Faircloth as well. He's He's been fantastic on the offensive line for this Hedgesville team. There's a lot of big moments and a lot of things that could come into this game that could swing it. The, both the Joneses for Washington as well. I'd be remiss not to mention both of them. It's it's a contest that's going to come down to maybe a final possession between these two. And like you mentioned, Luke, I think whoever wins this game stays alive in the playoff hunt. Whoever loses is going to have to start playing playoff football in the start of October. Absolutely. The other games to talk about today, you also have a matchup between number one and number two in the EPAC. Number 13, Martinsburg, hosting 2-1 and one Jefferson. This game is intriguing for me in a couple of different reasons. Jefferson, of course, is the last team to beat Martinsburg in conference play. Britt Sherman talked about that when he was a guest on High School Sports Line last Wednesday. Uh, and Jefferson's coming off a bye week, so you know there's a chance to install a little bit of trickeration, as coaches like to call it, and, and do what they can to try to dethrone Martinsburg. What does Jefferson have to do to pull the upset tonight? Well, against Martinsburg, it's on the road, so you got to fight that element. I think it's just executing to almost a perfect level. I think that's really what Jefferson has to do to have a shot to go at Martinsburg. Again, the Bulldogs, I think, have just looked like absolute world beaters at this point. By far and away, I think they are my pick to go win the the Class AAA championship just because of the dominant wins they've had. You look and you look at that playoff rankings like, well, they're 13, but you look at the teams. Clarkson North, who we knew was going to be a tough matchup for the Bulldogs, a Stonebridge team that is historically a very good team. They're able to handle D.C. Woodson last week, and they've been able to take care of boys Latin. They won that game handily two weeks ago. It's a Martinsburg team that seems like they're clicking on all cylinders. Murphy Clement is a tough guy to stop at the quarterback spotter. He's just a pure athlete, depending on wherever you want to line him up at. Coy Fagan, he's been fantastic this year, so they got to find a way to lock in on him. And it's really, I think, for Jefferson's sake, Dylan Erich has to really have the most poise I think he's ever had as a quarterback in this game against Martinsburg. And they got to find a way to, of course, get the ball into Keyshawn Robinson's hand as much as possible because that's a guy that has lightning speed and a guy that for a Martinsburg team that is built on speed for most of their positions, that's maybe the one guy they're not able to keep up with is Keyshawn Robinson. To focus him in the game plan, find Tayshawn Roper in the backfield. There's a lot of things that got to go Jefferson's way, I think, to beat Martinsburg. But it's something, if I were to say if there's a team right now in the Eastern Panhandle that could fire their best shot and maybe take down Martinsburg, it is the Jefferson Cougars. The darlings of the EPAC Conference right now are the Spring Mills Cardinals. Their record 3-1 and one is they're hosting North Hagerstown. They beat South Hagerstown two weeks ago. The Cardinals, the highest-ranked team of any team, and according to the SSAC's playoff rankings, um, this is a game that Spring Mills is favored in. And, and Park, it really comes down to me that the Cardinals are trying to prove not only that they're a playoff team, that they're a legitimate contender in the, in the postseason could potentially host in the first round. I'm not only looking for Spring Mills to win this game, I'm looking for them to win it comfortably. You don't want to see this team regress tonight. No, absolutely not. And I think that's not going to be the case for Spring Mills. You look at this North Hagerstown team they're taking on tonight. 
they got a win against Tuscarora. That was a close contest, but they lost another close one week two, and then they got blown out by TJ in week three. This is a game that I think Spring Mills can handle well. It You could say maybe a trap game because they're riding high on emotions from the Musselman win last week. But for Spring Mills' sake, I'm confident in Coach Law and that staff to really focus this team up. I know they're prepared for this matchup against North Hagerstown. They're going to execute, I think, effectively. And again, I think this is a double-digit win for Spring Mills tonight. Absolutely. So again, those are the AAA matchups. Our Panhandle High School football game of the week, Hedgesville and Washington. You can hear right here with pregame beginning at 645, kickoff at 7 p.m. And then we turn our attention to Saturday, but it still includes high school football because you've got Berkeley Springs 0-4, Oak Glen 0-4. This game is in Morgan County. It's going to be a, a high-stakes game for both of these teams trying to pick up their first win of the season. Oak Glen has struggled through their first four games. Were dominated by Weir, lost to St. Mary's 45-13. to They were shut out by Edison out of Ohio, and then they lost to Toronto out of Ohio last week. And their best offensive showing, putting up 21 points, but giving up 41 points. So they've scored more and given up less than Berkeley Springs, which would make you think that Oak Glen would have a slight advantage in this game, Parker. But you're playing at home. Berkeley Springs knows that they're playing their best football right now compared to where they started the season getting better every week. Uh, and this is the most winnable team that they've played up until this point. Oh, 100%. And if you look at that schedule that Berkeley Springs has had, and I've mentioned this time and time again on the show, it is a gauntlet of a first half for Berkeley Springs. You get Petersburg, who I think just suffered their first loss last week. So they're going to be one of the contenders, I think, in class single A. East Fairmont, I think, again, they're going to be a high-placing team. they got a chance, I think, to host a home playoff game in Class AA. Kaiser, I know, is right on that bubble for maybe a Class AA playoff spot, but they are right on that conversation, if not getting in. We I mean, we saw a couple weeks ago, they gave Hedgesville a great game last week, or two weeks ago, rather. But Berkeley Springs, they've improved every single game offensively from what I've seen, minus the East Fairmont game where Aiden Kane was sadly out due to injury in that contest. But... They've they've really showed the growth, I think, in this team from week one against Petersburg, where if I'm going to be completely on, honest, that offense looked anemic week one. It looked rough. And I, truth be told, I was a little bit worried. But to see the progression go, to see how Aiden Kane's grown as a passer, to see guys like Jonah Kirk, Adam Rippian, who's really stepped up with the loss of Holden Gerson for the rest of the season at wide receiver, these guys are really finding their stride. And at the right time, I think, at midseason, taking on, again, an Oakland team that's really struggled throughout their first four games. And this is really the opportunity, I think. Again, the stat for you, six. this Saturday will mark 688 days since Berkeley Springs has won a, has won a football game in general. you got to date back to November of 2021 when the Tribe will last won a football game. This could be the chance to snap the streak. So if you can tune in on WXDC this Saturday, you might be witnessing history for the Tribe. That kicks off at... Four o'clock on WXDC. Uh, Parker Stone will have the call. A little bit of a maybe a handoff there at halftime. Here's the interesting point of note, and uh, this is where we're going to try to turn our, our audience, our loyal audience, we appreciate you guys for listening to, show, uh, to the show, into reporters. If you get wind, because we understand there's going to be a lot of rain this weekend, that this game is going to be postponed or moved, feel free to let us know. Please shoot us a tweet, please. <laughs> so we can know. Uh, the three games that are highlighted by Metro News this week, and we'll have high school game night tonight, uh, directly following our coverage of the game of the week. It'll go all the way until midnight with Fred Persinger and Dave Jekyll. Got an elite triple-A matchup. Number two, Parkersburg against number five, Cabell Midland. Woo. In double-A, it's number five, Mingo Central against number 14, Independence. And then an interesting one for triple or single-A, number six, Tucker County's on the road 
I'm sorry. Yes, they're on the road against Eastern of Ohio. That's a battle of 4-0 and 5-0 ball clubs. So those are the games highlighted by Metro News, and those are going to be the games uh, that will probably be talked about the most tonight. But that's our high school wrap-up. We had the Ernie McCook Show yesterday on 95.9 The Big Dog. We're going to be posting that today if we're able to uh, on the same Spotify account that you're able to find um, the Panhandle Live uh, podcast and Panhandle Sports Live. But uh, some quick thoughts, Parker, because on 95.9 The Big Dog with the noon kickoff, our pregame will begin at 11 o'clock. Um, Shepard is taking on a Kutztown team that's one and two, but still dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. For the Golden Bears, I asked Coach McCook this towards the end of the show last night. Does I asked him if he feels like Kutztown might be in desperation mode and they might be a little bit more dangerous because of that. And he said no. He doesn't think that case. I mean, you look at Kutztown's schedule, you can make the argument that they've had a tough round of three games taking on assumption who's a ranked team in the top 25 in division two you had a tough cow team that the rams were able to it was a dogfight against cow we saw it last week but the rams were able to get that win and then they handle business against mercyhurst a team that's on the lower end on the totem pole in the PSAC. this is a matchup again it's and he mentioned again how important it is to win the east opener because we we've seen the east so far in the first few weeks luke that this could be a real wide open race i think for the east right now east strasburgs look like they've taken a, a next step up millersville was up by two touchdowns against slippery rock at one point last week until slippery rock came back and won that game Lock Haven's been putting up a lot of points in their contests as well. It's their first two and one, I think two one or two and zero start in over a decade at this point. There's a lot of question marks and a lot of unique things that are going on in the PSAC East specifically going on. And I'm excited to see how things shake out against Kutztown, but it's an important game for the Rams to win that Eastern opener, which will be this weekend. And uh, ending our uh, local sports wrap-up, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention what happened to the Orioles yesterday. They lost to the, the Cleveland Guardians. They gave up three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning to lose this game 5-2. to two. Bullpen just kind of imploded on them. Uh, and again, it was a game that the Guardians were able to score late. And here's what uh, one of those runs sounded like in the bottom of the eighth inning, as heard on WTAM in Cleveland. A swing and a high fly ball, fairly shallow right near the line, caught and dropped by the second baseman, Frazier. Throw to second, not in time. Scoring is Jimenez. Everybody is safe. And that's how that sounded again. The Orioles lost 5-2 to two yesterday to Cleveland, and the Rays won. So the Rays are only a game and a half back in the American League East. We will not be carrying Orioles baseball tonight because we have high school football coming up, but uh, our next broadcast of Orioles baseball will come up this Sunday, the final game between them and Cleveland. Uh, it'll be a 141st pitch. You can hear it right here on WEPM and WCST, but we'll take a break. have a really important anniversary to celebrate. We'll talk about that in a little college football after this. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live Friday edition. I'm Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone in studio as well. We've got high school football coming up tonight. Uh, A 7 p.m. kickoff between Washington and Hedgesville for our Panhandle High School football game of the week this week. But a lot of important anniversaries. Of course, Marsha Gavalik was quick to point out that yesterday, the 21st of September, and shout out to Earth, Wind, and Fire. But for those of us in the sporting world, we've got an even more, I would argue, important anniversary to celebrate today. And Parker Stone knew exactly where I was going with this before I even played the audio. But let's just let it roll and listen back to one of the greatest moments, in my opinion, in press conference history. If anybody hasn't read this article, I don't read it. This was brought to me by a mother of children. I think this is worth reading. Let me tell you why I'm talking about this article. 
three-fourths of this is inaccurate. It's fiction. Here's all that kid did. He goes to class. He's respectful to the media. He's respectful to the public. And he's a good kid. And he's not a professional athlete. And he doesn't deserve to be kicked when he's down. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me or our coaches. That's all I got to say. Makes me want to puke. I always love that he leaves to an ovation. By the way, that was 16 years ago, so now he's a man and he's 56. So shout out to shout out to Mike Gundy one time. Man, Mike, but my, and the bad thing is Oklahoma State. I saw a weird thing come out on Twitter. I think it was yesterday that some people are somewhat speculating that a majority of the Oklahoma State football roster might be dipping out after this Iowa State game this weekend. I mean, we've seen the uh, the Cowboys this year. They they've been cycling through quarterbacks. They've really been kind of asking questions since Spencer Sanders transferred to. Ole Miss, if I'm correct, I'll have to double check that. But it's uh, it's definitely an Oklahoma State program that's in a lot of question marks right now. But Coach Gundy, he's well respected. I mean, he's done this for a long time now at this point, and I, I'm interested to see what the next steps are for Oklahoma State. And if if it's going to be a collapse like this for the Cowboys, it's going to be a good chance for the Mountaineers to get a win later on this year against Oklahoma State as they do play them towards the tail end of their schedule. And certainly a moment he's not going to be able to disassociate himself from for the rest of his career. But as we turn our attention to the college football slate this weekend, and we'll finish with the Mountaineers, and we got to fly through this segment. Uh, the thing that jumped off the, the page to me the most, to be honest with you, Parker, is uh, this Florida State and Clemson game. Gotten a good start to the season from Jordan Travis and this Florida State team that's ranked in the top five. They're number four. However, visiting Clemson, Florida State's only favored by two points. Yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting line when I first saw that this morning. But I can see maybe why it's a Clemson team that you can maybe argue laid an egg against Duke and just had a horrendous performance offensively. I mean, you look back at that contest – Clemson fumbled the ball twice inside the five-yard line, and it was just maybe rookie mistakes by Kate Klubnick, who's really had to step up and make his own in this Clemson offense. But it's a Florida State team that is coming off narrowly being upset by Boston College last week. So I get why maybe the line is about even for this contest. It's in Death Valley, which also helps for Clemson's sake. But I do favor the Knowles in this matchup. I just think right now between the playmakers, between Jordan Travis, who's had a really solid season, and man, if you if you don't know about Keon Coleman, their wide receiver, he was a transfer from Michigan State who's down at Florida State right now. That dude is a baller. He's a tall athlete, fantastic, can run. Fan, he's just a fantastic wide receiver. So for that sake, I'm taking the Knowles in this matchup this weekend. All right, I'm going to ask you to do the impossible here because I want to run through these top 10 or top 25 matchups and give me two, I think, that jump off the page to you the most. Oregon, number 10 Oregon, is taking on 19, number 19 ranked Colorado. Oregon's favored by three touchdowns, 21 points. So it's the first huge test for Coach Prime in a battle of undefeated Pac-12 teams, as is a 3:30 matchup between 22, number 22 UCLA and number 11 Utah. You also have some primetime SEC football on CBS at 3:30. It's number 15 Ole Miss still undefeated against 2-1 Alabama. We were talking about uh, some of their quarterback issues before the show, and Ole Miss and Jackson and Dart and what they're trying to do offensively. You also have another Pac-12 matchup of unbeatens, number 14 Oregon State against number 21 Washington State in a game that kicks off at 7 p.m. on Fox. And then later down the list, 
You've got a couple of other games between top 25 opponents, a top 10 matchup between undefeated number 6 Ohio and number 9 undefeated Notre Dame. You have Iowa against Penn State. That's number 24 against number 7. So you've got a lot of top 25 matchups, Park. Uh, When we're done with what's going to be a very hectic Saturday, in fact, we're probably not going to be able to watch college football this Saturday, but if you were able to, which of these games would you be the most intrigued to watch? I think out of all these coming, I'm excited to see what Colorado does without Travis Hunter. Of course, he had, I think it was a lacerated liver is what he was diagnosed with. He's going to be out for a few weeks. I'm excited to see what Colorado does against a really big test in Oregon. I'm excited to see if Ole Miss is going to upset Alabama and put him down to 500. I think that's a really good shot. I love what Lane Kiffin's done with that Rebels program over the past few years. Jackson Darts looked fantastic at quarterback for him. And to answer the previous question, apparently it was Spencer Sanders that transferred to Ole Miss and didn't win the job. So... An interesting take out of that camp over in Ole Miss. But I'm excited to see what happens. Jalen Milrow is going back at quarterback for Alabama this week, too. And they were nearly upset against South Florida last week. So that's that's a matchup I've got my eye on as well. Some of the other big ones, I want to see if Duke can keep the momentum going against UConn this week. I, there's a lot of interesting matchups, too, because Oklahoma State, we mentioned uh, Mike Gundy previously, and Iowa State. That's a matchup where whoever loses that game is – is either on the hot seat or is probably getting ready to be let go for both sakes. Maybe Mike Gundy more of a resignation, but Matt Campbell over in Iowa State, his seat is heating up tremendously at this point. And in un- two underrated matchups for you, Auburn-Texas A&M, that's a matchup to watch out of the SEC. A&M's looked really good through two weeks, and Auburn's off to an undefeated start. And Oklahoma-Cincinnati, the Bearcats have looked better than anticipated, I think, through three weeks. They're undefeated coming into this matchup. And Oklahoma, they're not getting enough buzz, but the Sooners, the Sooners have had a fantastic turnaround in year two over Brent Venables. Uh, uh, Dylan Gabriel's look fantastic at quarterback for them. They're putting up a ton of points. That's a matchup to potentially watch as well at noon on Saturday. And then, of course, the WVU game in Texas Tech. If the Mountaineers find a way to pull that one off, I, I think we can fully pull Neil Brown off the hot seat yeah. if that's the case. Well, I do want to ask you that and wrap up our college football talk with Talking WVU. And we'll have nine and a half hours of WVU game day coverage here on WEPM and WCST beginning at noon tomorrow. Two and one West Virginia against one and two Texas Tech. Uh, two trends would be broken if the Mountaineers win here, Park. It would be the first time since Neil Brown was hired as WVU head football coach that he would win three games in a row. And it would snap a four-game losing streak at the hands of Texas Tech. Neil Brown has taken this rivalry personally. You heard the guys talking about it on Sportsline throughout the week. Obviously, a member of that Texas Tech coaching staff at one point. He certainly wants to be able to to beat uh, his, his former stomping grounds. West Virginia is six-point dogs at home right now. Tyler Shuck is a, a capable dual-threat quarterback. Which way are you leaning in this game? As of today, if you had to ask me, I think I would lean slightly to Texas Tech because just of the gauntlet they faced in the first couple weeks. They were upset by Wyoming, which no one expected. A lot of people were making Texas Tech out to be like maybe a contender for the Big 12 championship. Maybe that expectation. I thought so too, especially because of their wide receiver core. Yeah, that offense for Texas Tech looked really good. They got upset in overtime week one against Wyoming, and then they lose in a tight one against Oregon in week two. So this is a team that's had their moments. They've looked good. They've been off. But again, last week, you look at the schedule. Who do they play? They played a lower-end opponent in Tarleton State. They handled business in that one 41-3. But I think it really breaks down to two things. Number one, what's the status of Garrett Green coming into this weekend? Because, I mean, I'm glad West Virginia fans didn't jump the conclusion and say, okay, Nico Marchiol's our guy because Nico Marchiol did not look fantastic. He he, He was babied for most of that second half against 
a, a, a pit team in the defense on that end. He was babied for the most part just because of the playbook and having to make things kind of make sense for Nico. But for right, right now, we'll have to see what Garrett Green is, and we'll have to see how Texas Tech is going to respond to a tough one and two start because Texas Tech needs this win if they want any chance to compete in the Big 12. West Virginia wins this game. I think it's exceeding expectations for this season. Right now, I slightly favor Texas Tech, but I'm not shocked at all if West Virginia wins this game. Craziest note for me in this game, Rashad Williams, starting cornerback for Texas Tech, listed six foot three, 205 pounds, which is huge for a corner. But then you look at Malik Dunlap, Six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. That's, That's like an corner. outside linebacker playing corner. And those guys are physical, and it's going to be a fun matchup. And again, we'll have nine and a half hours of Metro News game day coverage tomorrow on WEPM and WCST uh, beginning at noon. We'll step aside when we return. We'll be joined by Berkeley Springs head football coach Wes Eddy as you're still listening to Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Welcome back in Panhandle Sports Live on this high school football Friday. A lot of football still to talk about as the show goes on. Coming up on the other side of next break, we'll take a look at a busy NFL slate and get Parker's picks and wrap up the show and put a bow on what our coverage is going to look like tonight and this weekend because, of course, over on 92.9 WXDC, that's the home of Berkeley Springs Indians football. And joining us on the line is Berkeley Springs Indians head football coach Wes Eddy. And, Coach, I'm going to start by asking you a very difficult question because we've all seen the forecast are we still kicking off at four tomorrow? There's uh, the administration here is looking at that and they're trying to figure out if there's anything that we can do to maybe move the game uh, up a little bit. And they're going to be reaching out and they've already reached out this morning to Oakland and we're just uh, working as hard as we can on this to, uh, to do the best we can. Well, Coach, as we've talked to you throughout the season and you guys are kind of starting to figure things out the first year under your tenure and some new faces in some new places, I've, I've gotten the vibe from you and your team that morale certainly hasn't dropped as you guys have been searching for that first win and have started to get better and better every week. How have your guys been in practice in this week preparing for uh, a, a winnable game? The thing that's the most amazing up here is that with uh, we haven't won a game yet, but uh, we started out with 38 kids, and when we uh, practice tonight, I think we'll probably be in uh, the 48 to 52 range of having uh, players on the team. So uh, things are going in the right direction. Uh, some of the kids in this building are buying into what we're selling, and we had a great practice yesterday. Uh, morale hasn't been a problem. The kids understand where they're at, and they keep they keep coming back and trying. So. It, you know, the first four games we played, uh, there, <laughs> I can put our schedule up, I think, against anybody in the state is as difficult as it's been. But, you know, now there's some games that, you know, you probably could say that are a little bit more reachable for us at this point in the program. Yeah, I think so, Coach. You're looking at that schedule again. Petersburg, who's a single-A playoff team. East Fairmont, that's got a chance to really, I think, host in class double-A. And then a Kaiser team, if they're on the bubble, they're passing and going to the playoffs this year. From week one to now, coming into week five against Oakland, what do you think have been some of the biggest takeaways of growth for your team? We're getting better at the, the things that you have to be good at. You have to be good at blocking. you got to be good at tackling. And defensively we keep trying on getting better the kids are learning from coach price uh we don't always necessarily every single snap do 
the uh, things that we're supposed to, but we keep working on it, and we do get better. And the kids see that when they do it right, that uh, you know they find success. So, and they're still getting good at uh, what we're trying to do offensively. Uh, our option game is getting better every week, so there's improvements coming along. So, there's nothing to be upset about or negative about, and we're uh, excited to have all these uh, fresh faces out and you know, making this program into a situation that, uh, you know, people want to be a part of it. And, and coach, obviously improvements from your quarterback position and, and Aiden Kane. And as your, your signal caller gets better, your skill position guys really start to get better and emerge. Who, who are some of the guys running the football and, and catching the football? Because we know what, uh, what Holden's capable of doing, but some other guys that have kind of stepped up and, and you expect to shoulder a little bit more of an offensive load here in the second half of the season. We have two receivers uh, that are pretty tall kids, uh, freshman Kyle Moore. We have tight end Adam Ripien that we're trying to get the ball to. Connor Duvall does the bulk of the carrying. Uh, Aiden gets his uh, fair share of carries also with our uh, read option stuff. So those guys touch the ball the most. And we've incorporated a, a fast kid, Isaiah Hutchinson. He runs the ball for us. And Jonah Kirk is a, a kid that can run. He's uh, carried the ball for us some also. So. We're not really one-dimensional. There's a lot of people that do touch the football during the night. Our thing is we just at all positions, whether it's the receiver's stock blocking, whether it's the backs blocking out of the backfield, whether it's the five guys and the tight end up front, everybody is able to continually get better at blocking. And uh, obviously that's just the rudimentary part of it. If you're blocking the other team, then you're going to score. And, Coach, I want to turn it back to defense now. You mentioned Coach Price. We've talked about his coaching tenure, was a head coach at Concord at one point, had stops at West Virginia State, West Virginia Wesleyan, around the Mountain East Conference. Saw your defense get some pretty good pressure on Kaiser this past week, Lucas Purdy getting a sack, Christian Norris getting a sack as well. How's that defense really been progressing under Coach Price as he's bit his stamp and his impact on it? Every time that we've gone out, we've – We've gotten a little bit better, and the kids understand the things that we're doing a little bit better. So this is a brand-new defense. This is a defense that uh, had its heyday, I guess, maybe back in the 80s when you talk about odd front angling defenses, but he's modified it to where we can go into two high safeties and take on these teams that want to go one-back trips, one-back, two-by-two, things like that. So – He's done a great job of, of getting it in, and like you said, I mean, it, it seems that every single week there was something that, regardless of the competition, that we were able to say, well, this was better than last week. We did this. We did this. So uh, we're happy about that, and if we can continue this year to say, well, we did something right this week that we didn't do last week, then, then I think that we've found some success. Well, Coach, lastly, this, uh, what have you seen from Phil and your opponents uh, coming up, hopefully tomorrow in Oakland? They're coming off a, a performance where they've scored 21 points and scored for three times in a game in the first time this season. What have you seen from them offensively and defensively that maybe intimidates you a little bit? Well, they're, they're trying to establish the run game, and they have a quarterback that can move a little bit. they got some kids up front that are big. And the thing is, is, you know, they're in the same situation as us. They have their kids coming down here looking to uh, get uh, something in the win column. So they're going to be scratching, fighting, and clawing just like we are to get anything positive 
that they can do. So that's something that uh, they're going to be doing, and those are the things that I would worry about. And plus, I think one thing that's going to be really good for us is I really don't care how much it rains because we're used to being on the earth all the time. Oak Glen, I don't believe this year has ever been on anything but the artificial surface. Mm. Well, Coach, uh, we appreciate your time this morning, and we wish you the best of luck tomorrow. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. That was Coach Wes Eddy of Berkeley Springs in the game that uh, hopefully is going to be played tomorrow against Oak Glen. But check our social media pages. As soon as we find out that something's going to happen, the game's been moved up, it's been postponed, it's whatever, uh, we'll certainly get that information to you. But we'll step aside. Coming up on the other side of this break, we'll get Parker's picks and we'll take a look at what's going on in the National Football League coming up this weekend as you're still listening to Panhandle Sports Live on the Panhandle News Network. Dale, I have an idea about the J&J $69 tune-up. What's that? Are you going to change the tune-up? Final segment of Panhandle Sports Live for this Friday edition and the final segment of Panhandle Sports Live for this week. Again, we've got high school football coming up tonight as it will be Hedgesville taking on Washington. And remember what you just heard from Coach Eddie, uh, that uh, start time for Berkeley Springs against Oak Glen tomorrow may be in flux. So check our social media pages for that. We'll update you as soon as we know exactly more information. Uh, but again, this is Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Luke Wiggs, and of course, in the studio is Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, yesterday's lock of the day did well for us. We were able to get that cover on the spread for the 49ers. Broke my heart betting against the Giants, but I think we just had to in that matchup. It's two teams on two totally different paths. The 49ers look like legitimate Super Bowl contenders. The Giants, I think, are going to be in a dogfight to make the wild card in the playoffs for the NFC. But San Francisco is able to win that game and cover the spread, which I had set at around a touchdown. And then as well, we had the over on rushing yards for Christian McCaffrey. The over the line was set at 79.5, gets over it at 85. But we picked Brock Purdy's under on passing yards. I didn't think he'd pass a ton in this game, but he ends up throwing for 310. That line was set at 229.5 for yesterday. So as always, I give you double slates for the weekend on Fridays, one for college, one for the NFL action. So our college lock of the day for the weekend I'm going with Maryland covering the spread against Michigan State. The line is set at seven and a half. I think you look at it and you're like, well, maybe Maryland laid an egg against Charlotte, and that game was closer than what it should have been. But, man, that Michigan State program is in a lot of flux right now. Mel Tucker was let go due to some off-the-field reasons at head coach, and now Maryland's got a chance to really beat up on a Michigan State team that has a lot of question marks, I think, now at this point, and a lot of worry, I think, in that Spartan program. So I think Maryland is going to be able to take the win handily on the road against Michigan State. I also have North Carolina getting the win against Pitt. That's just straight on the money line. I don't know how I feel about the seven. It's about a touchdown spread between North Carolina and Pitt right now. I'd imagine Pitt is honestly shaking their head and asking questions about Phil Jerkovich at quarterback after what happened against WVU. But for North Carolina's sake, they got you can make a case for the best quarterback or pro prospect too at quarterback right now in the college ranks and Drake may he's been fantastic since he was able to start 
as a redshirt freshman for him a couple years ago, and he's a guy to watch definitely come draft time. So I think North Carolina is able to take the win against Pitt. And also going to the Washington-California game for you, this is a late kick on Saturday at 10.30. Romeo Dunze, 98.5 receiving yards. I'm taking the over on that one against Cal. If you don't know his name, look out for him. He's going to be a guy that's going to be drafted first round in the upcoming draft. I love his game. He's fantastic. And it's a wide receiver class coming into 2024. It's going to be highlighted by, of course, Marvin Harrison Jr., Keon Coleman from Florida State, and Romeo Dunze, who I think is going to be on the national stage come at some point because man don't sleep on the huskies i think they're a legitimate team that can make the college football playoff right now and michael Penix jr sleeper heisman candidate as well if you want to get the early in early on that and buy that but for the nfl this weekend my lock is going to be the seattle seahawks covering the spread against the carolina panthers no bryce young in this game this weekend andy dalton is starting it's a big time chance for seattle to get a good start go two and one on their season and we got to pull for our guy geno smith so i'm gonna go (laughs) for the seahawks to win by more than six points against the Carolina Panthers because at the end of the thing is too if Carolina wins this game I think people might start asking some questions about Bryce Young because he looked he I think he's looked shaky at best for the Panthers coming into this game also I'm taking the Detroit Lions to beat the Atlanta Falcons that line is set for three favoring Detroit I'm just going to take the money line on that one I think they recover from a tough overtime loss against the Seahawks last week tough losing CJ Gardner Johnson for the rest of the season to a torn pectoral muscle but I trust the Detroit Lions and it's an Atlanta Falcons team that I think is held back by Desmond Ritter I think they're taking quarterback next year in the draft so I think the Lions are able to get the win over the Falcons and lastly I'm going to take CJ Strouds over on passing yards this weekend against the Jacksonville Jaguars expect Houston be down in this game wanting to run the ball or rather pass the ball a lot CJ Stroud and he's in the top five I believe in passing yards for the first few weeks of the NFL season as the rookie out of Ohio State so I'm taking Strouds over on passing yards that line is set at 235 and a half so a recap for you for the weekend college slate I've got for the lock I've got Maryland getting the spread cover against Michigan State North Carolina with the win over Pitt and I got Romeo Dunze over on over on receiving yards at 98 and a half for NFL action the Seahawks cover the spread against the Panthers. I've got the Lions getting the win over the Falcons and C.J. Stroud's over on passing yards. All right, here we go. we got nine minutes left in the show, and we've got 15 NFL games that are coming up over the next couple of days. We're going to go rapid fire. I know you gave some of your picks, but it's going to look something like this. At 1 p.m. on CBS, the Titans are taking on the Browns. It's a battle of one-on-one teams, and one could say it's the battle of mid. I've got Cleveland in this game. Park, who do you got? Give me Tennessee. All right, there you go. You already talked about the Lions beating the Falcons. I'm going to go the other way. The Falcons are 2-0 and despite Detroit at home favored by three points, but you give three points to the home team. I despise Jared Goff. I think uh, the Bijan Robinson is getting better week after week, so I'm going to take the Falcons in that one. And as we said, you already picked uh, the Lions. The Saints and the Packers, also a 1 p.m. kick. It's at Lambeau, but Green Bay is only favored at a point and a half. Give me Derek Carr and the Saints. I'm rolling with the Saints as well in this one. If the Saints play good football, but watch out. The running game might be a little hampered. Jamal Williams is looking like he's going to miss a few weeks with that hamstring, but I believe, if I'm correct, is this the week Alvin Kamara is Next coming week. back? Next week's the week Alvin Kamara comes back. This one's a coin flip matchup, but I slightly favor New Orleans. Take a guess as to who leads the Saints in rushing right now. Taysom Hill. It is Taysom Doesn't Hill. Doesn't shock me. <laughs> The Broncos and the Dolphins are doing battle. This is a a winless Broncos team against an undefeated Dolphin team at home. Miami is favored by six and a half points. To a stat line on the season, kind of eh. But Raheem Mostert has kind of surprised me in the production that he's had, and Tyree Kills had a great start to the season. I think the Dolphins win this game. Yeah, the Finns win this one, and I, this one could be a win by double digits. And I bold take, I think Russell Wilson gets benched by the end of the season. Oh, man. Oh, I thought you were going to say by the end of that game. No, not be... by the end of that game. Like, by the dang, end of the season, Russell Wilson is benched in Denver. All right, you got a battle of two winless teams in the Chargers. 
Chargers and the Vikings is at Minnesota. Minnesota is favored by just a point. Um, I don't really know which way I lean in this one. I'm going to go ahead and take the Chargers because I think they're too talented to start the season 0-3. I'm taking Minnesota, and that's going to heat up Brandon Staley. I think Brandon Staley gets fired by the end of this season. I think Minnesota wins that game, and it heats up Brandon Staley's seat even hotter in Los Angeles. The Jets are taking on the Patriots. This is at MetLife Stadium. Uh, New England is favored by 2.5 points, however, despite the Jets 1-1. One one, the Pats are 0-2. Uh, the Jets obviously still trying to figure out how Wilson's going to settle into the quarterback position. Mac Jones has gotten off to a pretty good start to the season uh, by his standards. I'm still not a Mac Jones believer. Uh, and Brees Hall has only carried the ball 14 times through two games. I expect that to change. I'm taking the Jets in this game. I'm taking the Pats. I think the defense shows up for this team. Christian Gonzalez, I think, looked fantastic last week against Miami. I think the Pats defense is what wins it for New England this week. We've got the Commanders and the Bills, and we're still in the 1 o'clock window, by the way. The Bills are 1-1. One and one, The Commanders are 2-0. and oh. This is a home game for the Commanders at FedEx Field. Josh Allen's thrown three picks through two games. I haven't really been thrilled with his production. I'm still waiting to see those receivers really emerge for Washington. Buffalo's favored by six points, and while I think that the Commanders cover, I still have Buffalo in this game. I'm going upset alert. I think the Commanders win this game at home. I, 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 li I like what things are coming up for Washington right now. And Buffalo, I mean, they've had their shaky points, I think. I think I think Washington is going to win this game. They have a defense that's fantastic right now. You look at the defensive line. Chase Young, I think, is coming back this week for him as well. So that line gets even stronger. And to his credit, Sam Howell has looked really, really good for the first two weeks of the season. We'll have to see how it comes up against a tough Buffalo defense. But I'm taking the Commanders in my upset pick of the week against the Bills. He talked about rookie quarterbacks performing well in C.J. Stroud. Despite that, the Texans are 0-2. The Jaguars, 1-1 at home, are favored in this matchup by 8.5 points. That's a big number. Uh, needless to say, I'm taking the Jags, but man, that's a big number, isn't it? Yeah, it's a solid number, but I am taking Jacksonville. The spread a little high. I think Jacksonville wins this one by a touchdown. And we saw last week Indianapolis got up big against Houston, but the Texans were able to climb back at least a little bit into that game and made it somewhat close. But I think Jacksonville getting the win here is really important. But I'm very excited to see what C.J. Stroud tanked down the like do for Houston in the future. Another big number is Baltimore 2-0 against the 1-1 Colts. This game is home at M&T Bank for the Ravens, favored by eight points. Lamar Jackson has been serviceable for the first couple of games. I've been really impressed with Gus Edwards and by the way it's nice to start to see the Richardson Pittman connection start to really lock in because I think those two have some pretty good chemistry with that said I'm taking the Ravens here yeah I'm taking Baltimore as well especially with no Anthony Richardson playing in this game he's still in concussion protocol so expect Gardner Minshew to get the start for Indianapolis this week I think Baltimore's just in a good spot right now I feel like things are really clicking Zay Flowers has looked really good for the first couple weeks as well I'm gonna have to wait and see what happens with Odell Beckham he might be out of this game with an ankle injury but I'm taking the Ravens at home in this matchup the Panthers and the Seahawks you already talked about taking Geno Smith's it was over for passing correct as the Seahawks one and one take on the 0-2 Panthers a home game for Seattle who are favored by six points Ooh, this is the first game that I don't really know which way the wind's going to blow for me I I, I want to say I want to back Geno uh, in this game at four o'clock I'll go ahead and stay with Seattle I'm I'm picking Seattle as well and I think Seattle covers too Kansas City and the Bears. Kansas City's got the tied for the longest line or the largest line. The, the, the team they're tied with comes up next. Uh, the Chiefs and the Bears. Uh, Kansas City at home favored by 12 and a half points. Uh, needless to say, I think we're both taking the Chiefs here. Uh, but two questions here. Do the Bears cover? And does Tyson Bajan take snaps in this game? Um, Bears do not cover. Tyson Bajan does not see the field. Yeah, I think so too. 
And the line I mentioned, like I said, uh, at 12 and a half is the largest we're seeing for week three in the NFL. It's also the same line that Dallas on the road is favored by 12 and a half points against the 0-2 Arizona Cardinals. I think we're both taking Dallas in this situation, but same question. Are the Cardinals at home able to cover this line? Um, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no on this one. I just think Dallas right now, they've looked really dominant on defense. And people have been asking questions. Well, if they face Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, and now this week it's going to be Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. But, I mean, it's a defense that looks really good. Look out for that secondary, though. Trevon Diggs did tear his ACL yesterday in practice, so they're going to be a little weir- worse for wear in the secondary come the tail end of the season. But with that being said, I'm still taking Dallas. In primetime on Sunday Night Football, it's Raiders-Steelers, my beloved Las Vegas Raiders 1-1, one and one, as are the Steelers. Vegas at home, favored by 2.5 points. Kenny Pickett has not played great. Najee Harris has been horrible. Uh, Matt Canada might be the worst offensive coordinator in the history of the NFL. Here's what I'll say. I favor the Steelers in this game. I'll take the Steelers. With that said, Steeler fans know better than I do. Every time these two teams match up, the Raiders always have – I mean, they beat the Steelers with Jamarcus Russell. So I am taking the Steelers, but things get a little funky in this matchup. You know, this was the one I think I was the most torn up on for this week. I think I favor Pittsburgh to win just slightly – because of the defense that's the only reason i'm going to favor pittsburgh in this matchup but don't i i fully expect the rate this game will be close but i expect pittsburgh to win this one i'm going to give you two guesses the cheapest tickets as we can see on this screen at espn uh for this game in vegas on sunday night how, how cheap do you think it is to get into this game i'd say probably 250 higher 400 $345. $345 to watch the battle of two mid-teams. All right, Monday Night Football. Uh, I'll lump these two games together. You've got Eagles-Bucks. Philadelphia on the road is favored by five points. And then you've got Bengals-Rams. That'll start about an hour later. Uh, And Cincinnati in that game is favored by three. Give me Rams. I hate the Rams. Give me the Rams and give me the Birds. I'm going to go with the Eagles and the Bengals in this one. It all depends on if Joe Burrow's okay to play with that calf injury. But I think... The Eagles get the win in this matchup against Tampa, who's been kind of the miracle story for the first couple weeks. But I think Cincinnati's able to rebound because they got to find a win before things end up collapsing over there in Cincinnati. There we go. 15 games with change. We've got some time to spare. Going into a really uh, interesting football weekend, I'm going to say, you know, especially with uh, with Morgan County, I, I'm going to assume that game gets moved up to a pretty early time. I could, I could see it getting moved up as well. Again, stay glued to our socials at EP Sports Network on Twitter as well as you can follow the Panhandle News Network on Facebook. We'll have updates for you as well as WXDC on Facebook for updates on the Berkeley Springs game. Whenever we get word on, if there's a change on that time, we'll be sure to let you know. We'll take care of you that aspect. And we got Shepard Rams football coming up tomorrow afternoon on 95.9 The Big Dog, but I'd be remiss if we didn't highlight our game of the week here on the Panhandle News Network. Kicks off 7 o'clock tonight, Hedgesville and Washington. And two addendums to those notes as well. Directly following our coverage of high school football tonight, we'll have high school game night all the way until midnight and then nine and a half hours of Metro News game day coverage beginning at noon tomorrow here on WEPM and WCST. That's going to do it for us here this uh, Friday edition of Panhandle Sports Live. Panhandle Live is next, and you're not going to want to miss the first segment as Senator Shelley Moore Capital will be in studio. That comes your way next, but we'll talk to you on Monday. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station.
we're proud to live here too.